Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. guys. Well, we have lots to talk about today. We're going to be doing our mental health check-in. We are back with two thumbs up. We have heard you guys. You guys were like, where did two thumbs up go? (laughs) So we're going to be doing them. Um, We're going to take a listener question about narcissists and talk about do narcissists know that that they're narcissistic? Um, And then we're going to be talking about a couple items in pop culture. One, we're going to be talking about the tragedy at the recent Travis Scott concert and how a crowd can go so bad so quickly. And we're also going to be talking about why does everyone date Pete Davidson? Mm. Hard-hitting questions. The big ones, yeah. The big questions. (laughs) Well, Matthias, catch me up. Yeah. I mean, my therapist is back. Yay. Finally. It was on paternity leave, very rudely. Yep. And yeah, that's just been wonderful. I mean, we had our first session back and... It's like, oh, good. I get to like process all these things. And yeah, so that's been, that's been a really big plus. I think for the last, last week is, you know, finally getting stuff out again, getting it processed. And yeah. that, that's, that's, I feel like the big mental health news of the week is <laughs> I have a therapist again. It is so nice that you have a therapist that you have such a good relationship with. Truly. It's yeah. hard. It's very oh hard gosh. to do. It's so hard. And, and I think... I mean, I just got really lucky with him. Yeah. Because when I was first looking for a therapist, I mean, that was before I was a therapist. I was you know, new to grad school, hadn't really been in therapy before. And someone just gave me a list and I chose like the first person on it and was like, I'll try this guy. And I mean, I've been seeing him ever since. And I mean, that doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And there's a lot of bad therapists out there. Yeah. There are. You got to be careful. You have to be really careful. I know. I'm always like very nervous. You know, my kids, like I've had my kids in therapy this year and I'm always very nervous when I don't have any visibility because I'm just like, what if they're bad? Right. (laughs) Well, yeah, I like it's, it feels so scary because I mean, you know, like as therapists, we're literally rewiring people's brains. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, that's a lot of responsibility to give someone. Totally. Mm. It is. Yeah. Plus, I don't want to be blamed for anything, Matthias, because I've been a perfect parent. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so let's make sure that we're sure that it's not my fault. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, why I will gosh. only allow my children to do cognitive behavioral so that I am never blamed. <laughs> yes. That feels very wise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's insider joke, but that means that, you know, cognitive behavioral is not really looking at family of origin stuff, which, you know, that always feels a little vulnerable when your child is exploring family of origin mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. But yeah. I kid, of course, I have definitely made mistakes with my children. Some I am aware of and some that I'm sure will flush out in their own therapy. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> 
I am terrified of that as being a parent. Yeah, like, that part sucks. Like, there's no way I will win. Like, there's no way I'll get it right. Like, that's just you won't. Fact. You won't. <laughs> but I just really think the key is just being okay with being imperfect and being okay with feedback. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think to go off on a tangent, but I don't have a great relationship with my mother. Um, my sisters. And I don't. Mm. And it's a source of sadness. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with my mom, it's like, I think, well, she has to know that she doesn't have a great relationship with us. But she doesn't ask us questions about it. Like, it's just kind of like, well, you know, I guess I'm a terrible mother. Case closed. Uh, Yep. Right, right. And I just feel like with my kids, like, I will just always be asking questions like, hey, guys. What am I doing wrong? Like, is there something I could do better? It seems like you guys feel some resentment. Like, what do I need to change? Right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key. Yeah. I mean, again, like, I don't know from experience, but that sounds like the key is, is being think. open to that. Yeah. Because we yeah. can't be perfect. No. But we can all take feedback. Right. And right. that feels doable. It totally does. I mean, that's why I, I lean on that concept. Is it, is it Winnicott's idea of like the good enough? Yes. Um, yes. And and that, I mean, I, I feel like I extend that to every part of my life of like, well, you just have to be good enough. And then you can, you take the feedback, you ask the questions. And yes. That's Talk about the, that good enough for people yeah. that don't know what that is. Yeah. So a, a theorist, a psychoanalytic theorist named mm-hmm. Donald Winnicott kind of had this idea that, you know, parents, mothers specifically is, is who he was writing about at his time, but any primary caretaker. Right. Uh, will never get it fully right. Like that is impossible. <laughs> cannot mm-hmm. happen. And, and so he, he kind of came up with this idea of the, the good enough mother, mm-hmm. uh, the, the caretaker who gets it right enough. Yeah. And that being the basis for a good, healthy relationship. And it's really yeah. liberating. And it's been a while since I've learned that concept. But I mean, my recollection was like, it wasn't a lot. I mean, it was like, make no. eye contact when you're feeding them and, you know, bond with them. Like it, it really was a low bar. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, and the reality is you'll, I mean, you'll, I think this is him, like you'll, you'll get it wrong as often as you yes. get it right. And like, that's normal development. Right. Yeah. And then and, there's that other concept, and I don't think this was him, but just that idea of the corrective emotional experience, which is right. you'll get it wrong, but it's very impactful if you correct it with your child. Yeah. yeah. Almost yeah. as impactful as just being perfect. Right. If not more. If not like more. That, that rupture and repair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the case for any relationship, I think. I mean, it's so true. Yeah, I do agree. I agree. In fact, I always have a little, I don't know, like a little tickle when someone says to me, oh, my partner and I never fight. Right. Right? Like I'm always like, so someone's acquiescing all the time or you don't know each other very well. Like I think a good relationship has disagreements, has conflict, and then a good relationship is about how you know how to repair conflict. Yeah, I, I mean, I f- fully agree with that. And that's so funny that you say that because, yeah, anytime anyone says that to me, we never fight. I, I see that as a red flag. Yeah, like, you too. That's, that's not, I know you're saying like that's a good thing, but 
I know. It's not. Yeah. No. Learn how to do conflict. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How's how's your mental health, Kristen? It's pretty good. It's been an interesting week. Um, you know, being a person on the internet is weird. That is the truth. And, you know, a part of the game is that, you know, things that you say can and will be misconstrued and offensive and things like that. So I had one of those interesting weeks this week online, which I haven't in a while. Like, mm. it's been a while because it's not a it's not an election season. I, you know, I haven't been offending people for a yeah. bit. <laughs> but this week, I decided to talk about my take on masks right now mm. in the mm. midst of the pandemic. Mm. And in an effort to, I thought, infuse the topic with some much needed nuance, sure, um, science, <laughs> adjustment, um, I talked about the fact that while I was a, a very big proponent of masks for much of the pandemic, that I am allowing our family to go without in certain situations that, mm. you know, we've let our guard down a little bit um, because of the fact that we're all vaccinated and most of our social circle is also vaccinated. Sure. So when we're in those circles, uh, we are taking our masks off. You know, we've had social gatherings, we've had birthday parties, and there have been photos of myself online not wearing a mask. And people are like, where's your mask? Yeah. Um, now, when people, I want to say this, when people, air quotes, people are asking me where my mask is, generally speaking, if I go back and look at their profile, these are not people that are concerned with COVID safety. These are people trying to catch me in a gotcha. Totally. You know right. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, they're not masking either. They're just mad because I guess an entire year ago, I was suggesting people wear masks. And they don't understand that now I'm vaccinated. So situation has changed a bit. Right, right. So Ugh. there were some of those folks asking where my mask is. And I just thought, you know, I just want to kind of clarify, like, where you know, where I'm at right now. And where I'm at right now is I have just come to the point where I desperately want everyone to be vaccinated. I truly do, unless there is some massive actual, you know, health issue. <laughs> I want everyone to be vaccinated. Um, I think that that is what we're seeing. The real thing that's keeping people from dying from COVID is the vaccine. Yeah. And if people are not willing to do that at this point, because it is readily available for adults, and, and now it's available to, you know, younger kids. Right. Um, but for adults, if people are not willing to be vaccinated, I am not going to, like, I, I'm going to let my kids kind of, you know, go back to being social, which looks like football games and birthday parties and sleepovers. Yeah, right. And we're not going to sacrifice anymore for people who aren't doing their part. Right. Yeah. I mean, that so. feels wise. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I feel like it feels like boundaries, you know, right. like, and I said that in the post, it's like, I say this to people a lot, especially parents, but also friends, you can't care more than they do, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you have a partner and you want them to stop a bad behavior, you can't care more than they do. If you have kids and you want them to get into a better college, you can't care more than they do. Like, that is a part of life. Like, we can't care for other people and force them into different behavior, and I feel like that with the pandemic, like, I did care for a long time. I sat my ass home for a year. We did mm -hmm. nothing, right. you know? Right. And now I'm like, now you have to care. Mm -hmm. 
You have to care for your vulnerable family members. You have to care for yourself. Um, And I have cared for myself and I did care for my community for a very long time, but now I'm done. Uh (laughs) Now I want to clarify. I did say in the, I did say in the post that we do still mask like at the grocery store um, you know, when we're out in public, if I'm at anywhere that I am where I don't feel like people have given consent to being unmasked or I don't know the situation of others, I will still mask. No problem. Okay. If I'm yeah. around, you know, a, a friend that I know isn't vaccinated, um, I'll mask. But I'm just it's situational at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how I am with my circles too. Yeah. Like there, there is that place of where there is the room for consent that right. <laughs> is everyone okay if we take our masks off? Exactly. Like, I, I mean, but all of my friends are vaccinated. Like yeah. I don't know that I, well, aside from my family, I don't know any unvaccinated people uh, in, in my immediate circles. And yeah, the, the risk, I mean, I can see why people are upset. Like, I mean, I think I get that line of reasoning and like, like I hear what you're saying, Kristen, that, that side of like, boundaries and you're not doing it like uh, unwisely <laughs> like you're thinking mm-hmm. it through in ways that are actually you know healthy and safe and, yeah yeah and yeah. you would never hear me argue about putting a mask on mm-hmm. if someone had a mask on i would put mine on right like for example i had to go into home depot for a meeting today with someone over a garage door blah 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 i Walked in, I had my mask on, sat down. I was like, I don't know if I want my mask on for this entire meeting, you know, because now we're seated. But she had a mask on, so I put my mask on, you know, like I'm going to do what other people are doing. But it's just, you know, this is a tough one because we became so polarized and it became so politicized. Right. That I feel like we were struggling to find like the way forward. um, Without really holding on to like, well, you know, being pro mask has become uh, you know, an identity piece or a calling card, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, it makes so much sense. Like, it's like the, I mean, it's another way to weed people into political yes. or supposed political, like, boxes of, yes. if you're wearing a mask, then, at least in the world I'm in, you're one of the good ones. And if you're yeah. not, you're one of the bad ones. And, like, yes. it's so easy to fall into that when, yes. like, really, we're wearing masks because of the science. Right. <laughs> like, and the and then we're unmasking because of the science. Right. You know, right. like, there's really low transmission in my community. And it's also easy for me to say all of this because, again, I'm in California. People have, you know, by and large, people have gotten their vaccines here. And I think that's true where you are, too, isn't it? Yeah, we're like a over 85 percent yeah so yeah. yeah so i know that you know numbers are pretty scary in other places right now um even so and and i mean if i'm around a family who has younger kids i'm gonna oh, yeah. i'm gonna mask of course totally around right. babies or what have you so yeah. i don't know but it was yeah it was just one of those interesting of like oh i'm having people yelling at me and calling me ableist and calling uh, me you know yeah. this is like this is not new but like haven't had this for a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's okay. It's hard. I and mean, it is so, I mean, it truly is so complex and so situational. And it's very complex. It's, yeah. it's very, very complex. And it's, it's hard to, you know, communicate all of that nuance in an Instagram caption. <laughs> right. Where you have what, like 220 characters. Right. Right. 
Yeah. But I mean, mental health wise, it doesn't necessarily affect me other than just like, and I know there is just that little bit of like nervousness of like, oh, am I going to get attacked? Am I going to, you know, how many people are going to be mad? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and that weighs on you. Like, it does. I mean, I, I mean, if you're anything like me, like if people I don't know on the internet are mad at me, I'm upset. Like I, like I can put as many boundaries as I want about it. And I still have yeah. anxiety around I it. Do too. Like it's, it's yeah. hard. I do too. And what's interesting for me, this is probably true for you also. I don't care about like people being upset with me that are like, well, you should have, should have never worn a mask in the first place. You stupid sheep. Like, right. I don't care about that person. Right. But I care about the person who's like, you know, well, my child is vulnerable and you make me feel unsafe. Right. That I care and, about. Yeah. And that's legitimate. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Hard, hard to navigate. I know. I know. Yeah. Anyway, but that is, yeah, that is where we've come with our masking and subject to change. If, you know, if we got in that situation where the hospitals are full again, right. I would be masking and probably quarantining again and that's how yep. i feel it's like we have to stay flexible as we see this thing out you know totally yes. flexible yeah. and listening to the professionals and yep. listening to the cdc which i am all right well let's talk two thumbs up so welcome to the world of two thumbs up yeah, this is my first time doing this. Are you excited? I am so excited. I mean, this is your opportunity to recommend completely random things. Great. <laughs> my favorite thing. I had a very hard time thinking of random things, though. So It can be anything. <laughs> it can be anything. So what is your anything for your okay. first two thumbs up? My first, my first two thumbs up. So I love a good bed sheet just bedding in general like mm -hmm. i'm very much ascribed to this idea of you know you spend at least a third of your life in bed so it's worth spending money on so you That's should spend a third of your paycheck right on, on your bed you know every month right like <laughs> every no. month. Your annual your annual paycheck yeah, no <laughs> That's not what I do. So the, this this is my favorite because these are really affordable sheets but they're some of the most comfortable sheets i have ever been in Ooh. and there, you can get them from Amazon. You can probably get them other places as well if you're if you're not an Amazon person. It's a whole other conversation. Very conflicted, but um, mm -hmm. from a place called CGK Unlimited. So it sounds like this, you know, random cheap brand. Uh -huh. um, but they're like fifty five dollars, which I think is affordable for sheets. Totally I don't know. Totally affordable. And yeah. they're so comfortable, Kristen. Okay, like, there's 11,000, like, nearly five-star reviews. So yes. you're clearly not alone. No. They are, like, and I, when I got it, you know, I was reading the reviews, and everyone was like, these are amazing. And I got them, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, and now, and this is the whole thing. Now it's gone into, like, the lifestyle drift part where, like, any other bed I get in. <laughs> <laughs> now you're a sheet snob. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was staying at, at someone's place a little while ago and I got in the bed and I was like, Oh, I don't know if I can sleep here. Like, <laughs> Gosh, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So these sheets, they changed my life and they'll change y'all's too. You should definitely get them. Okay. I might need to invest in some of these because I have good sheets from my room, mm. but my kids are still sleeping on like just whatever crap came with their like bed in a bag. Right. Right. Yeah. So I might need to try that. And then we do a lot of, 
home exchanging where we have other people stay with us. And so for the people who come and stay with us, I have bought extra sheets for those people, Mm -hmm. but they're crap. I mean, they're, they were literally like, they feel like paper. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And I always feel really bad. I'm like, oh man. I mean, they're clean, you know, they're sleeping in lovely new clean sheets, but they're not very nice. So maybe I should get some of these for those Yeah, you should check them out. (gasps) Highly recommend. Ooh, okay. By the way. Yeah. For the twin sheets, there is a 30% off coupon on the Amazon oh my right now. Wait, that's on the full too. Oh. I'm going to stock up. I'm going to So they're 30% off right now. Wow. Okay, so we're, we're saying this as of time recording. We can make no guarantees, but check our right. show notes, click on the link, and it does appear that they are 30% off at this time, um, which is a really good deal. That's a super good deal. I know what I'm ordering. I know. I'm like, you can hear us clicking in the background. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. You know what two thumbs up has been for me for the past two years? Just an opportunity for someone else to tell me what I'm buying now. (laughs) Like I have bought probably half of whatever anyone else has recommended. I love it. (laughs) Terrible. Okay. What's yours, Kristen? Okay. Mine is, so we are traveling soon. My kids and I, we're going to Lisbon for Thanksgiving and we're going to New York city for Christmas. Nice. Now, you know that I am a warm weather person, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like tragically warm weather person. And I'm really wimpy about cold and I'm specifically nervous about Christmas in New York. Yeah. It gets cold there. Of course we own zero coats. Sure. We own hoodies. That's what we own. And cardigans. Yep. Um, so I'm on the hunt for all of us to get new coats. And so I asked the internet as one does. And where I landed was Land's End. Not the sexiest brand. Okay. Not not the coolest. Right. But they're, they have these packable down coats. I know a lot of people have packable down. I've bought some from Uniqlo in the past. Yep. But the Land's End are really good quality. And they're really good, like, rating-wise in terms of, like, you can, you know, they, they'll cover you in, like, minus five degrees. Yeah. And they are 50% off right now. Ooh. Yes. So I ordered the entire family, those packable down, where which are great for travel, right? So you can, like, basically pack it all into, like, a pillow. Oh, that's so nice. And then you unfurl it and you have a full on coat. And I got the kind that like go under your butt, like, you know, down to mid thigh. So I'm hopeful that's going to save us when we're in New York. I'm looking at them right now. They're super cute. I Are they? They're okay. I mean, I don't know. Well, okay. So, you know, I live in Seattle where like fashion is down coats. So so I'm over here like, oh, so trendy. (laughs) Well, but I have to admit... I mean, I actually should be asking cold weather people for opinions because I don't know what's trendy in coats. Like, I literally am looking at all these. I'm like, I don't. Which of these is cool? I have no idea. I never see anyone wearing a coat. That's fair. I mean, but here's the deal: anytime I go to Chicago or New York, I realize how terrible my fashion sense has become. Because here in Seattle, like, we literally do not care. So you guys don't. You guys are just yeah. like, I'm going to wear fleece and I don't even care about it. Right. It, like, to everything, to formal events, we're yeah. in our down coats and fleece. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. So I am not the person to ask. No, either. it's true. I mean, no offense, but you guys don't give a shit. <laughs> <You don't. laughs> you really don't. You and your sensible shoes. Yep. <laughs> and your Patagonia wear. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> the amount of shade I get for wearing suede shoes in this city. Like, I mean, you would think it's a cardinal sin. That is very funny. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing I've been hunting for is shoes. Like, what shoes does one wear when you're going to be freezing but walking a ton? Yeah, I cannot tell you that. It's... Well, the internet did tell me. And okay. I'm here to tell you that you it's not under $200. Oh, <laughs> that's never good news. No. <laughs> so I am now looking between Bloodstones, which I literally never heard of. Have you heard of these? Nope. So I guess these are the big shoe in Brooklyn, and they're like pull-on boots. I think Blood they're hideous. Bloodstone? Bloodstones. B-L-U-D-S-T-O-N-E-S. Oh. I was going to say that sounds like a... British breakfast food, like I know. blood sausage. Yeah, I don't know. I, this is this is apparently what all of the hipster Brooklyn moms are wearing okay. in the cold weather, and they're two hundred dollars. Um, or I'm looking at sorrels. Okay. I don't know. I I wear flip flops at home, <laughs> so I I need to invest in some socks and yeah. It's all very confusing. I don't know. I don't know what's cool or not. I need, like, someone needs to be a cold weather fashion consultant for people from Southern California. There's a business idea. That's brilliant. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Just tell me what coat and shoes to buy so I can <laughs> We want to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors. You guys know I love meal kits. I love meal subscription kits, but there is one real standout at a much lower price point, And that is every plate. Even at regular price, every plate is up to 58% cheaper than all of the other ones out there. In fact, one meal from every plate is about the same price as a cup of coffee. And every plate dinners are the cheaper alternative to takeout or delivery. Recipes come together in about 30 minutes, definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store and starting a meal from scratch. Every plate offers contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking on a budget. Getting dinner on the table can be a real challenge, especially in the middle of a pandemic where we're all tired of cooking and eating the same thing. Every plate can plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a really good price. Every plate provides easy to follow recipes and pre portioned ingredients, and it takes the stress out of dinner time. It's great for kids learning to cook and great for parents who are stressed between work and school supervision. Every plate offers a changing menu of 14 recipes per week featuring a range of flavors and ingredients so you'll never get bored. You can try Every Plate, which is a fantastic deal already, but they are giving our listeners meals for just $179 per meal. Go to everyplate.com and enter the code SELFIE179. Again, that's code SELFIE179 for $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com. So here is our listener question for the day. This is a question about narcissists. They said, I know they don't recognize it in themselves, but do they actually recognize it in others or do they just use it as a word or adjective thinking that it makes it seem like they are not narcissists? What do you think? This is such an interesting question. Yes. So I'll, I'll caveat with, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think a narcissist can recognize another narcissist because I, I mean, I just have like experience with narcissists who yeah. recognize other narcissists, but not themselves. Like yes. 
and and name it pretty spot on yes. but not realize that they're talking about themselves too yes um so, so i would say yes well i mean whether they have a deep understanding of what that actually means i think is arguable um well i would even say that not just narcissism but most issues we recognize in others before we recognize them in ourselves, right? Yes. I mean, it just reminds me of the girl who says, like, I don't do drama. And it's like, hmm, if, if you're that, if that's your bio, <laughs> uh-huh. you do a lot of drama. Yep. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I am that girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, the person who's like, I can't stand passive aggressive people. Like, I bet you are, though. Uh-huh. I bet you uh-huh. do it. Yeah. So, yes, I do think narcissists absolutely can and do recognize it in others. It is often kind of a point of deflection, a point of projection, you know, seeing another person and then feeling rankled because that person's behaving in ways that they don't like in themselves. Totally. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that I mean, that what you're describing is like a classic narcissist move like that that calling someone else a narcissist to deflect or the projection oh gosh, yeah. like that. I mean, that is, you know, number one for a narcissist. <laughs> it is. And I think, you know, one of the dangers of narcissists seeking mental health treatment with someone who doesn't understand who they are is that they can then weaponize mental health terms, mental health ideas, you know, um, they rather than applying things to themselves they will learn concepts of mental health as a way to kind of manipulate other people. Yep. So suddenly, you know, you've gone to marriage counseling with your narcissistic partner and they've learned the term boundaries or they've learned the term gaslighting. Oh, yeah. And suddenly they're using those terms in the wrong way against you. Yep. Yeah. That definitely happens. Oh, it happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's heartbreaking. It is. And yeah. infuriating. But, you know, one of the hallmarks of narcissism is that they generally do are not able to see themselves as narcissistic. So I have a lot of people who will come into my office and be like, you know, I feel like maybe I'm a narcissist. And I'm like, I feel like if you're wondering that and having that level of insight, you probably aren't. Um, I think narcissists can have what's called moments of clarity where they might notice, they might recognize like, oh, I think I did just manipulate or, oh, I just went too far. But that's usually pretty fleeting. And very quickly, they'll create a narrative to explain away their behavior as being someone else's fault. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to point out, though, there are, you know, the rare few, that's not to say narcissists can never have self-awareness. But one of the hallmarks of narcissism is lacking self-awareness, but that there are some narcissists who are actually in recovery. Um, There is one such person who is on TikTok. Have you seen this guy on TikTok? I haven't. He's a black guy, long dreadlocks. He goes by the handle Mental Healness, and he describes himself as a recovering narcissist. He is married. He went into therapy for this about a decade ago, and he fully shares like his thought process and his proclivities, his temptations when he makes a blunder, and it's Hmm. very fascinating. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. I I think he would be a great follow for anyone who lives with a narcissist because, you know, he's pretty dedicated to exposing the whole thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and it's worth exposing. And, and yeah. you know, I think, like, you know, there, there's certainly the extreme end of narcissism. But, I, I mean, I come from a kind of theoretical orientation that we all exist. And this is with any personality disorder. Like, we all exist on, the spe- on those spectrums. We have seeds of those things within us. And so I think, like, even if, you know, we're not full-blown narcissists, like we can still use these tools to reflect on our own behavior patterns. Oh and my so, gosh, absolutely. Like, and, and that's so important to be able to do to become, you know, maybe fuller yeah. humans. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has narcissistic traits at yeah. one time or another. Every single one of us, every single one of us will manipulate at some point. We will, you know, all of us. I mean, that is just like human behavior. The yeah. difference is, Again, that self-awareness of being able to look back at a behavior and go like, oh, I was totally shaming, you know, or I was being heavy handed or, you know, the ability to look back and and then correct is what sets apart normal behavior from narcissistic behavior. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm, That's a good one. Well, the next topic we were going to talk about in psych and pop culture, actually, interestingly, in the last hour, someone posted about it in our selfie Facebook group, which is that a lot of us are watching the news and seeing that there was a recent um, concert at Astroworld where while Travis Scott was on stage at, at the point of us recording, there were eight deaths, there are still people in the hospital in critical condition. So this was a mass casualty event. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone had posted and just said, like, are you watching this as an empath? Like, I can't look away. And then someone else had said, like, this feels like collective trauma. Yeah. Um, this was really difficult to watch and see happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's heartbreaking and yeah. so scary like so so scary just i mean that yeah i, I totally <laughs> empathize with that empath comment like just that imagine just imagining because you can't you can't do anything once you're in that situation no and these people you know there are a lot of first person accounts going around on the internet they're very difficult to listen to very difficult to watch but of course you put yourself in that situation oh, i mean yeah. especially as you know i go to a lot of concerts and that and i you know the people that were killed a lot of them were very young and so i can't help but think of my kids having been at those I mean, if this was local, this was totally a thing that I would have like bought tickets for my kids to go to. Totally. Um, so, and, and you know, it's just that type of a death is a it you know it is a very traumatic way to die. It's a very helpless way to die. Um, yeah, it's just it's really brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted to talk about just the psychology of a crowd. And yeah. how something like this can happen because no one, of course, went to this concert thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to create such a ruckus that people die. Mm-hmm. Like no one wanted that. No. Like, so what do you think goes wrong in a crowd like this? Yeah. So, I mean, when, when I think about this, <laughs> I'm going to talk about this theorist for both of these questions that we're talking to because it's applicable to both, but there's this, he's more of a philosopher than a mental health person, but I think it's applicable. There's a, a thinker named Rene Girard who talks about what, what he calls mimetic desire mm-hmm. or, or this idea that, you know, instead of desire being a thing like, I look at, you know, these sheets and say, I want these sheets. It, it's actually a, 
I went and read all the reviews about those sheets and then decided I wanted them. So it's this like triangular mm-hmm. idea of desire. We're always checking in with other people, mm-hmm. which informs what we want. Yes. He he argues that that can turn into what he calls a, like a mimetic fervor mm. <laughs> uh, and, and in crowds, that mm-hmm. that can turn into a really unifying thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this isn't quite what I think happened at, at Astroworld, but in some ways I think it ties into this idea of when we are in a crowd, it is so easy to get caught up in crowd think to the point of where we cannot get ourselves out of it because we are in this mimetic fervor this we're imitating everyone around us everyone's imitating us and and there's there really is no way out until it dies down until it hits its natural Mm -hmm. end point yeah i mean it's that i've heard that also referred to as social contagion but i have to Mm -hmm. even think of the January 6th riots and that I think, and I'm not excusing anybody who participated in that, but I don't think a lot of those people showed up thinking I'm going to actually break into the Capitol building. Right. But once everyone around you is worked up, all of a sudden you're doing something that is outside of your moral code, outside of, you know, something normal um, that you would do. But then I also think in this situation you know, you've got a lot of people who are looking up to the leader at this point, the leader's Travis Scott. Yeah. And, you know, what's also being shared widely at this point is the fact that he was kind of encouraging people to break down barricades. He was, you know, talking about he, how he was going to get more people into the concert. At previous shows, he has worked people up into doing things that were risky and dangerous, which also seems to kind of heighten that sense of risk. Oh, yeah. And risk-taking behaviors. Massively so. Yeah. I mean, I I was watching videos of, oh, who is some other rapper? I cannot remember who it was at this point. But, you know, it was just being passed around Twitter of of this other rapper, you know, shutting it down. or like Yeah, it was Post Malone. Yeah, Uh yeah. And, and like, or setting up boundaries around here's yeah. where mosh pits can happen yes. here. Like that kind of like, in some ways, I think they were calling it like responsible crowd management. Yes. Like, like that sense of like the person on stage can actually do something about this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. I know. And I'm interested too, in the psychology behind people wanting some fervor or even violence at a show, mm-hmm. because I grew up in, you know, I grew up in the days where mosh pits were a really big thing and went to a lot of punk shows in my youth, um, spent a lot of time in a mosh pit in my youth. And, you know, I look back and go, like, that was actually kind of stupid. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people did get hurt. People did break their teeth out. I can remember going to one show and having my shoes ripped off my feet. And, like, I thought that was cool. You know, like that was a story that I wanted to share. Like everybody wanted to get bruised and bloody in a mosh pit. And it's like, what, what is that? Like, what is that that's attracting us to like this sort of physical experience with other people? Ah, yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, you can probably hear this even in the way I'm talking about it being like, this is fascinating. Like that is so far outside of my experience. Like I was... So homeschooled, and you know, was like, <laughs> 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 but 
but there, there is something in, I mean, even hearing you talking about it and imagining it, like there's something so thrilling about that. Like in, in some ways what feels, I imagine like kind of the controlled chaos of like, I can experience this, but nothing's going to, nothing bad is actually going to happen. Like I may get a yeah. little bit bloody, but like nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah. When, I mean, that's not the reality though. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's youth too, isn't it? I'm invincible. Yeah. Yeah. I think what breaks my heart the most about this scenario was watching footage of people just screaming and begging for help Yeah, and how desperate they must have felt um, because the help just really wasn't given. And, and then it's like, what is the psychology of being on stage and thinking that the thing that you're doing, whether it's you're the performer, you're the camera person, you're the sound guy, and you're getting clear messages of people in distress and thinking, but what I'm doing is more important than that, you know? Yeah, that's messed up. It is. Yeah. Yeah, It is messed up. And I do, I do hope that there are consequences, you know, for the people that, that were informed and then didn't do anything. And didn't do anything, right. right. Yeah. 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 Oh, In a previous tragic. episode, we talked about, you know, people acting like assholes on planes. I mean, do you think that some of that post-pandemic anxiety played into this? Or was this just like a horrible confluence of, of bad circumstances? Oh, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I mean, I yeah. like. I mean, that makes. I mean, it does make me wonder, like, whether that kind of like, like the relief of being able to be back in a crowd, or that like the euphoria of I am back at this massive venue yeah. with all these people, like that kind of let loose a little bit more than you might have in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems very possible. Yeah, and just that lack of empathy. I mean, I've been at a show where things get scary crowded Mm. you know and then people have to kind of yell back like you gotta back up you gotta back up and i've been it i've been in those scenarios but in every case when people really started yelling people would back up and it's like i just think we have some empathy fatigue right now to the point where you know i'm feeling entitled i've waited for this show i want to be in front and people are in distress in front of me but i'm going to just keep pushing forward because i deserve this or I'm not able to think outside myself right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it is scary yeah. stuff. And I, I mean, I hope that things change. I do. I feel like, I don't know. We've had many mass casualty events where things haven't changed. Right. Um, but I hope things will change in this, in this front. Yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. 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 Horrible. Mm-hmm. Well, onto a lighter topic. Why is everyone dating? Pete Davidson. So now the rumor is that he is now dating Kim Kardashian. Which is wild. (laughs) But it feels on brand for her family right now. Oh, totally. All of these girls want the, you know, they want Machine Gun Kelly. They want Travis Barker. Like everyone all of a sudden wants to be with like a troubled white guy. Yep. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So here's where I'm going to go back to Gerard. (laughs) That triangular model of desire is that, I mean, that idea of we look to others to figure out what our desires are, you know, Uh on an unconscious level, 
when we see people like celebrities dating someone like I had this experience with Pete Davidson like I didn't think he was attractive now I think he's so hot like (laughs) did Pete Davidson get hotter I don't think so I think it's that idea of like well everyone else wants him and like now I want him too and I genuinely am like yeah like I would say yes (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, no, it does make you go, well, there, there, I guess there's something. I mean, I feel like that always happened too. Like even in high school, it was like, there would be the guy that was okay, but like all the popular girls would date him. And you're like, well, I mean, uh-huh. yeah. there must be something. Totally. And for those who are listening and are like, what are you guys talking about? So Pete <laughs> Davidson is now dating Kim Kardashian, but pre- and he's an average looking guy. I, you know, I would have said less than average. Uh, yeah, he's he's a strange looking guy, mm-hmm. um, and he makes jokes about his appearance. You know, he has talked about his appearance. Um, but previous girlfriends have included Kate Beckinsale, um, Ariana, Ariana Grande, Grande, the chick from Bridgerton, the lead yeah. girl from Bridgerton, but, various models. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, I mean, it kind of seems like he basically dates every woman, single woman who goes on SNL. It does seem that way. (laughs) It does seem that way. And like, I mean. Oh, oh. Also, the points we're missing here. He's also like completely open about the fact that he is an addict and has bipolar disorder. Yep. So he's just right leading, leading with the fact that I'm an addict and I have mental illness and I have tattoos that are neck adjacent, and every, every girl is like, sign me up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, and it's just, it's it's mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. And, again, I'm right there with everyone, so, like. <laughs> yeah, you're like, l- l- is there a cue, and right. where can I put my name? <laughs> is he gay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a matter of time, right? <laughs> Give it time. Yeah. Hey, Pete, if you're listening. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I wonder, too, if there's something that girls like about a project. Because he is a project. I mean, we all know the guy, like, has to live with his mom half of his life in order to function and stay off of drugs. And, you know, that he's been given a wide berth on SNL to just take time off, show up when he's sober. Like, what is it <laughs> that... I, I don't know. I think there's something to women or maybe everyone, apparently. Um, <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> thank you. I mean, what is it about all of us that are like, oh, a boy who needs saving? A troubled I mean, there, boy. There is something so romantic about it in some ways. I am not I am not saying it is romanticized for me because I don't think it is. Yeah. Um, but th- that idea, though, of like, I can help. I can fix this person. Yes. Like, we'll work it out together. Like, that. there's something so... I mean, that it's almost that kind of, like, rags-to-riches story on, on yes. a romantic front. Like... Yeah. Yeah, I will be the person that changes mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Did you... I'm older than you, but did you watch the movie Reality Bites when you were younger? No. Okay. So... Ethan Hawke, which first of all, so hot. Mm. But in this movie, he plays this just completely messed up, drinks too much, 
you know, troubled, but also very well-read musician, of course. Right. And he's so troubled and he's depressed and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you're watching this movie and like, all you can think is like, this is the hottest guy ever. Yeah. Which is how he's portrayed. And then he ends up, you know, winning the girl and she changes him and saves him. And like, this was, you know, for every like 90s kid, this was our dream guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm looking at pictures of him right now. Yeah, he is cute. I mean, look at pictures of him from Reality Bites because he had the long hair. He was dirty. He was like greasy and it was like all the more hot. Ugh. In fact, you know who else I thought was so hot? And not just like because of the way he looked, but the whole character and persona was Bradley Cooper in um oh my gosh, with with um Jennifer Lawrence, is that the one you're thinking of? No, no, no. no. Where he played the musician with Lady Gaga. Oh yeah, Star is born, right? Sign me up. I'm sign me up for that. Yeah. And he was a total alcoholic, and I'm like, I will save him. See, here you're judging all of us, Kristen. No, I do it too. No, I totally do it. The difference is Pete Davidson is too young for me, but I am ready to save the fictional character Anna Star is born. I am ready to nurse him back to hell. Do you have, okay, do you have a cringy celebrity crush of someone who's just gross and in need of help? Uh, yes, but then this is going to get political, but like Chris Pratt. Oh, like, like, I don't know why I think he's, but he's so still hot. squeaky clean. He's not no, like, he's not. Gross. He's like, he's like gross. He's problematic. And like, yes. Yeah. I and mean, gr- a gross person. Okay. A gross person. I'll tell you mine for context. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mine is so embarrassing because this person is so gross. Tommy Lee. I have, I think I know who that is. Yeah, exactly. He's so gross. He was married to Pam Anderson. Oh yeah, this guy. Okay. He's yep. from He's from Oh my gosh, what was his band? Um Molly Crew. Yeah. So embarrassing. Yep. <laughs> he's just gross. Yeah. But I always thought he was so hot. Yeah, you know, he look I can see that. I can yeah. see it. Yeah. Yeah, uh I don't know who my person would be, Kristen. I know that there is someone. But I'm blinking. Well, but I don't know. You did grow up very homeschooled. I did grow up. That has been established, yes. I like, grew up in Florida. So it, <laughs> it is entirely possible that my tastes are running much more lowbrow than yours. <laughs> I grew up in Florida going to punk shows, wanting my shoes to be ripped off. And there was an incident where I threw a bra on stage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to Trent Reznor. I, I threw my that. bra at Trent Reznor. Oh, uh, Yes. <laughs> so proud of you thank you (laughs) it was it was a moment it was a moment anyway i think we may need to make this a thread in the selfie facebook group of who are our just gross project boy celebrity crushes oh yeah i'm excited for that one yeah i'll be tracking that one for sure thanks for listening just a heads up we're therapists but we're not your therapists this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and by making it we're not rendering psychological or other professional services if you need therapy we recommend you track down someone to help join us online for more of the conversation in our selfie community facebook group or on instagram at at selfie podcast 